0: Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Al Basti Equuel Dubai.
1: Right, Neil, this is your domain, really. Uh, William Hill has become the latest high-profile bookmaker to incur the wrath of the Gambling Commission to the tune of a £19 million pound fine. This follows up the fine that Entain, the parent company of Ladbrokes & Coral, received that was £17 million. There's also been fines for the Kindred Group, parent company of Unibet and 32 Red. There have been fines in the US for Paddy Power. I mean, all these firms getting fined, broadly speaking, for a similar range of, uh, of contraventions. But where are we
2: now with this? Well, it's not a great look, is it, really? I mean, the white paper, obviously, you know, we're still waiting for it, of course. But, you know, it's not what the racing industry needs, uh, let alone the gambling industry, at this, you know, crucial time. Uh, The William Hill stuff, you know, it, it was from things that happened in 2020. And that's common to uh,
1: most of these, isn't it? There is a certain kind of. His, not,
2: there's not always a bit of a, of a lag. Of a bit, yeah, a bit, yeah. Lag. There's always a bit of a lag. But the, you know, it's not like 2020 was 20 years no. ago. You know, we knew in 2020. Well, you and I were having these same conversations exactly, on the show in exactly. You know, and this is this is letting people gamble. Uh, I don't know. The, the numbers are all. I, I put this here to remind me, but I. I it was like there was a guy twenty four grand in twenty minutes on a new account. You know, within the first twenty minutes, he's deposited twenty four grand. You know, that can't be right, and it's impossible for anybody to you know make a case for why that should be happening. And and that's really makes that's been the whole nature of the debate because horse racing and people that are just normal punters. I've been asked throughout this whole debate to take the side of gambling operators because if you don't take the side of gambling operators, your only other alternative is to take the take the side of gambling reformers, and 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 it turns out that gambling reformers are, are quite often gambling abolitionists. Um, sadly, uh, now if they were genuine reformers, maybe we could we could take their side. But we've had to fight, you know, for the gambling industry for for the right to enjoy our hobby. And also for the future of horse racing. And that's meant that we've had to side with operators and, and you know, I feel like they keep letting us down really because it's it's really hard to stand up for them in these cases.
1: And we have in this forum and you can keep going because we will just I'll keep roll. Go- I'll keep we'll go- roll think- the clock round because the next, well, a lot of people the next saying, issue is Jimmy's. Is,
2: well you you know, you've made you've made the point. Nineteen million to Hills, you know, seventeen million in summer uh, two thousand and twenty two. Uh, to entain uh, 7.2 million to kindred two weeks ago, uh, kindred's one was for anti-money laundering. Uh, they were told that their thresholds were too too low for anti-money laundering. Uh, but then the gambling commission don't tell them what their threshold should be. Now maybe you could argue that you can't tip off to the to the money launderers what the threshold is for money laundering. But you know it, 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 all of this stuff is so vague and nebulous which is partly why we need the clarity of the white paper. Finally, people are saying it's going to happen. Uh, So the parliament's in recess at the moment for Easter. Uh, They come back on the 17th of this month. Uh, But then we're coming up to the local elections. We're supposed to have PERDA, which means that you can't pass any uh, major politically controversial legislation with an election coming up. Uh, the government are trying to say that the gambling legislation isn't very political and they can just put the white paper out anyway. But if they don't get it out in that small window, uh, well, then it'll be the summer. You know, none of this is going to go into law until after the next general election, after which, you know, Labour could rip the whole thing up and start again. So, you know, we haven't got any kind of clarity. You might ask, let me try and say this in the last minute, you might ask, why they haven't ever suspended anyone's license? They constantly, you know, giving out these fines. Uh, William Hill knew about this fine because, and I, I will be fair to William is Hill. This pre the takeover. This isn't was it? pre the takeover. The people that were running the compliance department have all been shipped out since then. They admitted and they cooperated with the Gambling Commission. They said we made a whole bunch of mistakes. We had terrible procedures, and we've changed everything since then. Uh, and it seems like the Gambling Commission worked with them because when the takeover came in They put aside 15 million for the fine Some people said it was going to be a 30 million fine and they fined them 19 million But the, the question is and I, I'm gonna to have to go over the question is <laughs> why why have they not suspended the licenses? They can't. The gambling commission can't suspend the license of these businesses. The businesses are too big. If if you go to suspend the license, say of I don't know, three six five, and not that they've done anything wrong this week, but if you go and do that, they're worth more than ten billion pounds as a company. They're gonna have you in court before you can say, you know, whatever something that's really quick and to you've say. you've
1: got this many thousand employees to take uh, care of.
2: Exactly. And what do you do if you're the gambling commission? You say to the government, Oh, we're going to be in a long legal battle with Bet365 or with Intane or with Flutter or whoever, mm. uh, and it's going to cost an absolute fortune. Would you like to support us in that? The government are going to go well. No, not really. I'd, I, you know, also the timing of these fines this week. I'm going to say a quick last point. The timing of these fines. Oh, I've done well. Is, I'm, I'm, is, happy I'm I've cynical that. about the timing. <laughs> I think it's very suspicious. 2020, all this stuff was going on. Uh, at William Hill. It's post
1: isn't it, just before the white paper? Yeah, tr-
2: the Gambling Commission are trying to say, look how powerful we are as a regulator. Look at our muscle that we can show. But they have no muscle because they can't suspend a licence. So, you know, this is nonsense. It's just nonsense. They're pretending that they have muscle. And and they think that they're, they're showing how strong and powerful they're being because they're trying to say to the government, give us more money. It's a £4 billion industry. We only get £30 million a year to regulate it. I don't think it's a very good look though, saying, well, look, we need more money, but by the way, you know, under our regime, all of these companies are doing stuff wrong, even today. You've raised the most interesting philosophical
1: point, again, about
2: Racing's relationship
1: with, with big bookmaking as mm. well, um, and Paige, we were discussing beforehand whether a bookmaker should should sponsor the Derby. The Derby is still uh, unsponsored, Kazoo terminated their sponsorship, um, Should should racing accept an offer from a major bookmaker if it comes, do you think?
3: I think in that situation, if you said no, like I think we need to take this money off the books until there's more financial transparency about what they're making, how they're making it and also, yes, there is this big moral dilemma of we are making, how does it affect our image having such flagship races sponsored by bookmakers? But equally, until that time comes that there's a massive review and we have alternate sponsors, if they're making money out of us, why wouldn't we take it back off them?
1: Well, they, there was an accusation this week, wasn't there? And Ben Keith appeared on, mm. on my podcast with, with Tom talking about, um, talking about a snobbish attitude towards bookmakers sponsoring, sponsoring big races. Was he right, do you think, Neil?
2: Uh, I think there is a slightly snobbish attitude, I mean at the end of the day racing depends on bookmaking, whether you like it or not. Uh, That is the way the sports finances are set up. Uh, Obviously the BHA have been lobbying for some time to make a change to the levy so that it's on turnover and and as a sport we're not reliant on the profits or uh, otherwise of bookmakers. Um, I think that would be a great change, but I, I, I'm doubtful as to whether it's going to come in. in. 2024, the government have said they'll look at it. Um, but actually, but if, you, if, you made an interesting mm, point about
1: what's actually, the, is there a great incentive for a bookmaker to sponsor the derby for their own benefit? Well, it's very to-
2: it is difficult. There's, a, there's another factor that actually, if you slightly go back to the, the fining and stuff, um, you know, if, if we get to a situation where 19 million is a standard fine, it becomes a barrier of entry for new companies you know most bookmaking companies spend way more money on compliance people than they do on odds compilers these days now if you th- if you say what would be the purpose of a bookmaker sponsoring the derby well it's really just to make it harder for new people to enter the bookmaking sphere in the UK because it's not like people in racing have never heard of Labrooks or Corals or William Hill or, or Betfair or, or Sky Bet. It's just shutting out of space. It's shutting out of space.
1: Harry, you, it, it, just before we move on, um, we're moving on to an important topic now. Just your your visceral instinct about a, a bookmaker-sponsored Derby and, and British racing. Yeah, we just treat them like any other sponsor, or or or, or too proud. You want a, you want a blue chip name?
0: No, I think um, you know at the end of the day, if there isn't another sponsor and they're putting money into it, then we need to, like Paige said, you know, we need to need to get we need to get them to sponsor it and put money in. Definitely, because they're taking enough out of the sport, so.
2: Okay, well, we will
1: see. I
0: thought on Tom's excellent podcast, yeah, um, the TSD. Yeah, he,
1: very
2: good. he, he, he I, I think it was on there anyway, though I heard it because it's a great podcast for Tom. He's so good. <laughs> um, there was a point that, uh, that companies, I think, actually, I think it was Steve Marana from Kazoo was making the point that if you have got money to throw into this kind of thing, it's hard to know in racing who you should approach about it. There isn't like a central body for sponsorship. And if, if you're a big company, Uh, unless you've got someone that's a real racehorse racing fan on the board, you're just not really going to come to racing.
1: What, because there isn't an obvious...
2: There's no obvious route interesting.
1: So even though the yeah even though the Jockey Club are a parent company for all these racecourses, there isn't it isn't the sort of and central should they
2: portal. all get together? You know, are the racecourses spending too much time competing with each other over sponsorship instead of working together to bring a sponsor into racing? If you want to get one of these really big blue chip companies, a Rolls Royce or a company like that, to, you know, prestigious, or Longines what? or something, to sponsor the Derby, don't you need? Uh, I, I mentioned those two brands in case they want to God, send me anything. You were
1: going to say.
3: Oh no! I, I, me and Liz Kelly have loads and loads of, sort of like deep chats about <laughs> these sorts of things, but it's just it's kind of surely deeper down in racing that we have to have more selling points to these people as well. Mm. That we're a it goes down to that basic level of how do we make this sport super exciting to be able to engage those sorts of sponsors mm. as well? Like because those sponsors would find a way if they were really that interested.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you just think that we're not.
3: Oh, it's, it's difficult. Like, we are an exciting when you sport. And Liz, when you
1: and Liz have these discussions, <laughs> and I know, I know I'm going to get shouted at in a minute because we're running way over time, <laughs> but I just give me a flavour of what... When you're having a... having a, a rant or when you're, you're discussing how, <laughs> how the whole thing should be made better, what are the kind of key themes that you guys will be...
3: varied? Um, but take jockeys, for example. We have some really amazing personalities within the jockey ranks and somehow I don't think as a sport we're selling these. You look at Frankie, and he's flamboyant enough mm. that it carries on his own, mm-hmm. but there are lots of jockeys that certainly their personalities are not reflected, in my opinion and her opinion, to the wider world, but equally it's not their job. Their job is to ride horses and to put on the racing. It's not their job to run their social media and create everyone else to realise like who they are outside of that, and I think that's a real selling point Speaking just jockeys in particular, but could be echoed further around the industry.
1: How do you not sell the sport? Uh, you don't sell the sport by having a story whereby a trainer of, of some note uh, goes public and says that he feels that his horse, who's tested positive for a, a tranquilizer more commonly known for pigs, has been quote unquote got at in the racecourse stables at Chelmsford. This was the case of uh, John Butler earlier in the week, who has had to be fined. Uh, according to the the, the BHA uh, Independent Disciplinary Panel, uh, because um, he ultimately is, is the man liable for what's been found in his horse, but they um, appeared to accept in part um, that this was a, a, a plausible explanation that somebody could have could have got at this horse, um, you know, failing to, to come up with any other plausible explanation for why a pig tranquilizer ended up in a horse's system. The idea of horses being got at, Harry. Um, You know, being explicitly mentioned here, there was proof of it in the Mick Easterby case last year um, where somebody was charged. Yeah. Is it something you as a still a currently licensed person thinks happens on a regular basis?
0: uh, I certainly hope not. Obviously, it was going on at Newcastle, wasn't it? Mm. And um, they proved it. And um, I had a particular horse run up there that was favourite, hot favourite, and ran no race at all. And when that all came out, I thought, was she got at because she she was leading up to the race, I really fancied her, and she ran like a drain um, but anyway obviously we'll never'll we'll never know but um it 's not something that'm that I think obviously I think the the security of the race are pretty good, but bring, leading me on to the point about John getting fined if it 's not proven and i wouldn 't even know where to get some pig tranquilizer if it 's not proven that he, you know that there 's no proof that and what was it you said there was a grain on the on the security camera yeah or the, but yeah.
1: The, 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 the so apparently the security camera footage is not sufficient is so why why is, should he be
0: fined if it can't be proven? you know what i mean that there's no proof i just like just because his horse has got well, something in it, it, it that it, it, he should get fined uh, you know? but
1: unless unless you can prove that it it, it wasn't under his sure. under his watch okay. that it was
0: well you know, You as
1: the license holder have to take strict liability don't you even McKee sure. was fined a nominal pound but in this case because they couldn't actually see physical evidence of a horse being got
0: well, at he had to be fined it feels to, feel me
2: like it feels to me <laughs> yeah. like they're doing a really good job on the testing and stuff of horses in that situation but to have a grainy camera where you can't really see the person that sounds a bit rubbish doesn't it yeah, like, you know, camera technology is something that's really advanced in the last 10 years surely you can get
0: Sounds like to me that like the racecourse needs to be fine.
2: A more expensive yeah. camera.
0: The racecourse yeah. needs to be fined.
1: So yeah. the race, yeah. the, the, the responsibility for ensuring that CCTV is up to scratch. I'm, rest I'm. I'm guessing with a combination of the racecourse and the and the VHA. Um, first racecourse has has come under fire from, Rafe Beckett, uh, the current president of the National Trainers Federation. Who I mean, first racecourse wouldn't be the only. Institution, the sport to have come come under a fire from Rafe in the in the last couple of years on this particular subject uh, of poor prize money. Um, uh, his quote on the podcast earlier in this week was, "Where the Sandersons go, the Sandersons, the uh, family that, that run Thirst course, poverty will follow." It was a it was a pretty inflammatory um, quote. Harry, do you do you sympathise with him? It's a, a, a race card of mainly Class Six races, one Class Five. Uh, where the winner's prize course, money does not course, exceed 3,100 and something do. pounds?
0: Because, you know, it's, 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 it's um, disgraceful, really. It's such low prize money and, you know, how are we, you know, it's tough enough to for owners to get any, you know, return in the sport and, you know, first, especially for southern trainers, such a long way to go, you know, I certainly wouldn't go all that way to run horses and for that prize money. And I know my owners don't really like traveling up north anyway because the costs of transport costs and what have you have got too expensive anyway. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm behind him, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, James, Sand- James Sanderson, um, uh, on, on behalf of First Race Course, was saying, you know, this is a, a low-grade fixture with lesser horses page. There's a big entry for this fixture as well. So they will say that it all stacks up economically and they want to keep their powder dry for their better races later in the year.
3: Yeah it's a it's a chicken and egg situation isn't it? You know his argument was if we're asked the BHA if we're asked by the BHA to put on these races because that's what the horse population needs we need to put them on we've put on 36 percent higher prize money than we were required to by the BHA have we done so badly but it's this chicken and egg where the BHA are trying to say really we know the major horse populations down here and we don't really want it to be down there but Rather than just actually trying to do something a bit unique, I I'm, I'm no, I don't know what that is, but you know rather than trying to address that situation from somewhere else, let's just sort of try and cut a few of those races and you know try and just make it not possible for these people to have those horses rather than actually doing something active to try and get the population to a higher level.
2: Um, Neil. Is, there, is there a slight problem that nobody really knows how much money racecourses are making out of yeah. race meetings, so it's impossible yeah. when they say, well, we're g- doing as well as we can on prize money, and trainers and ho- the horsemen quite rightly say, the, the point well, that, we the would point like that, more money because everything's yeah. going and up. And the point that Beckett made was that the
1: boycott of Newbury last year smoked them out and, and yeah, got so them uh, to put yeah, their prize yeah, money out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, yeah I, I don't know. I d- I d- however low grade the race is, mm. I'm not sure how you can be contributing to a sustainable model by putting three thousand one hundred pounds mm. on for the, for winners for winners' prize. For right?
3: the VHA and encouraging that by having a minimum value of two thousand four hundred to the winner.
1: I mean, and as, as re- the, re- the point yeah. Ralph made, which I thought was interesting, was why should we even have minimum values? The racecourses know yeah. what it what it takes to mm. yeah, to but sustain. No, a-
3: like you know, you've got to have those levels. For people, like in the nice way possible, everyone's running a business, so they're all looking at the bottom line. And if the bottom line, if you still think you're overachieving from from what they're set as the recommended minimum values, you know he thinks he's being generous, but mm. he's not.
1: Let's talk about the start of the. The flat season. I mean, this is a a, a hackneyed debate, and it it, it, is, it takes place every year, Neil. But it is intensified this time because we got terrible weather, and the sight of two-year-olds clogging through the mud in the Brocklesby yesterday, even though um, it was a it was a great result, sort of did make me think. Well, are we getting this right? Are we getting it right? Having
2: well, I having mean, it's it's supposed to be racing on extreme you know, ground. It's supposed to be the curtain raiser to the season. Uh, Ryan Moore was in France. Tom Mark was in Australia. Uh Frankie De Tori, I believe, is in uh California. Uh William Buick and Asheen Murphy went to Kempton. Uh none of the star jockeys thought that this was the the, the curtain raiser to the season. They couldn't be bothered to go there. I don't blame them. They were all having a nice time somewhere else. Uh, rather, the racing than running, was good. Rather,
1: run, the, no, the, the racing was because brilliant. the prize other money. But why? Because the prize was, money had a the, massive the, boost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The
2: the, the quality yeah. of the Lincoln uh, went up enormously from last year because of the, the prize money getting a boost, and the Spring Mile uh, got a lot more runners than it got last year because of the prize money getting a boost. So those are good things. But at the end of the day, a bunch of horses were running up a ploughed field. You know, the, the, the going report earlier in the week was almost apologetic. Uh, and I noticed that the next uh, we got some flat racing this afternoon from Doncaster uh, but the next three weeks uh, on a Sunday we've got seven jumps meetings and no flat meetings so um, you know the flat is back is it apparently and, and
1: presumably you guys don't want to run jumps you're nice jumpers in June May, no. June on no. hard ground
0: no certainly not um, never been a big fan of summer jumping but um, yeah no um it's an Interesting point, actually. Um, I think obviously it's been a freak March of how much rain we've had because we didn't have any in February. So, um, you know, from the ground point of view, I don't see that middle of March or this sort of time is too bad for the Lincoln mm. meeting in previous years, but just so happened that it was, you know, um, a freak March, but um. I always enjoy the Lincoln meeting, so um, I've never really thought about it being put back. But um,
2: but we don't have to scrap the Lincoln meeting. We could just knock it back a few weeks, couldn't we? Possibly, I mean, yeah, no, that's, I just, true, you know. that's true.
3: But that's I just don't. Craving, I, I don't know why. Yeah, because the pattern the way the pattern goes.
2: Yeah, but think. it's not like it's not like uh, you know, oh horses that run in the Brocklesby You know, have got some kind of major target <laughs> that they, they they have to be aimed for now. I mean, they're just, you know, well,
1: I'll, I'll, middle I'll, of the road to you. I'll put time. a button on this and just throw this out and see what you think, and you can come back to me on it because we've got to move on. But why aren't we using our gre- greatly much vaunted synthetic tracks when we most need them, i.e., in the, in the spring
2: and the late autumn? You know,
1: isn't that, isn't that where you want the to be? Using your, the day after the weekend it's a very yesterday. good
2: day for the flat season to begin, anyway, and just before the craven.
1: Right. Uh, the ROA badge scheme, there was some confusion. Uh, yesterday uh, over the weekend about uh, what you were and were not any more entitled to as a member of the Racehorse Owners Association. Incidentally, you don't need to own a racehorse to be a member of the Racehorse Owners Association and there are about 1,100 people who don't own any part of a racehorse that uh, are not members and are indeed eligible for, still, for free entry to the majority of fixtures during the course of the year. Uh, But a bit of um, uh, a letter went out to ROA members which I think understandably enough, because it was quite confusing, misled them into believing that even though the aforementioned badge scheme had been discontinued, that they were no longer eligible for free entry to the majority of fixtures. They are. If you look on the website, you simply have to register with the individual race courses, And if those race courses are not part of the participating scheme, you email the ROA. They gave me an assurance last night that they would then get that
2: badge for you. On their behalf. It was confusing, Neil, wasn't it? It was very confusing. I hadn't, I'd missed this story, but you told me about it yesterday, and I thought, well, this looks like an absolute PR disaster. Whoever sent out the letter originally to explain what was happening to the scheme didn't explain it in a very simple way. Um, and obviously, owners of the lifeblood of the sport and people that have been members of the ROA scheme for a long time have shown loyalty to racing and, and don't really, you know, they're the kind of people that are much more likely to get upset about stuff than an average person in racing, and they're probably entitled to be. So yeah, hopefully it's been smoothed over. Yeah, well, if you,
1: so the, the, key, the key message is, if you are a member, whether or not you own any part of a horse, you are still entitled to entry under your membership to all, almost all, apart from the very best exempted fixes, during the course of the year. And if the race calls are not yet on the new participating scheme, then make sure you contact the ROA and they will ensure that your, your entry is, is facilitated. More of that to follow. Those were this week's Talking Points.